Many people have problems with art and not with reality. So what is art different? It's pretty simple, right? This is knowledge, this is thinking, this is thought. Yeah, it does something strange with your head. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. Bring it. Welcome to the Undergang Armchair. My name is Ando. Who boy, we got a good show for you today. We have Didi Knus Turnison on, and it's a fantastic talk which covers a lot of ground and is chock full of, you know, good advice for you young artists. Really, it really is. But first, I would like to take a quick moment to say hello to the new listeners. If you are indeed new to the show, this is basically a program where I run my mouth endlessly about art, and then I have conversations with people who are much more qualified than I am to talk about art. We are actually starting to steer the show into a more inclusive direction. So please feel free to email us with questions, comments, guest requests, anything you like, really. This is also a good moment for one of my periodical requests to you, that is, if you like the show, to share about the program on social media. You could tell a like-minded friend or enemy about it, and or please give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else you listen to the program. Thank you in advance for that. It's a huge help. Uh, there is a lot going on. Here are a few tidbits from former guests. Tonight is the opening of the show, which Michael Bow curated at Staten's Museum for Kunst, the National Gallery of Art. He talked about his work curating this show on the episodes we had him on very recently. And now the opening is tonight from 5 till 7 at SMK. Also, Stee Stacy, a former guest of the show from a couple of years ago, has opened a workshop called the Stacy Archives, where you can make photogravures, that is real photogravures, and uh, digital prints, and it's the bomb. Be sure to check that out. We'll have links for both of those things on our page for this episode. Now, I don't know how much introduction Dita really needs. She seems to be everywhere. But for those of you who don't know her, she is the co-founder and co-runner of Green is Gold, which is an exhibition and curatorial platform here in Copenhagen, which does great work. And she's a really talented artist in her own right. She might be the most organized, together, and right-headed of any artist I have ever met. So it's really a special pleasure to bring this conversation to you guys. Take note, this is a woman who knows how to get shit done. There is so much good advice here for all of us. Please enjoy. One of the things I miss from when I went to art school was talking about artwork all mm, the time. A lot. And that's what you did when you were in school. You know, yeah. I feel like that was half of what the reason of going to art school is. It's just to be around artists all the time, to talk about work, to look at work, to fight about work, that whole thing. Yeah. And then I moved here and it was just like, boom, nothing. <clears throat> nothing. You know, so, so it's better, you know, then you just have to make it yourself. Yeah. As I you like well it. know. Yeah. But you know, too, you went to, to Glasgow. Mm -hmm. And so that puts you outside of the system like we talked about yeah, earlier. Yeah, I'm not a Royal Art Academy, Danish Royal Art Academy kid. Was that on purpose? Did you, did you apply to the Art Academy? I did, but uh, I did apply to the one here in Copenhagen. But 
uh, I wanted my first choice was Glasgow uh, School of Art because I knew at that point that I, or at that point, my main focus was on photography, oh. and they had a special course for that, which they didn't at that point here in Copenhagen. It's a really good school, isn't it? The Glasgow School of Art. Yeah, yeah, I was happy about it. Very happy. Uh, of course, I think every education institute has its own problems or things to fight about oh, in yeah. the system uh, or as an organization. And of course, there was also some big problems going on when I was there. Um, but what I really liked about it was that the, it ha the community ar uh, around the school is very international. So I think maybe almost 20% was like people from outside uh, Scotland and, and mm. the UK. Mm. And there's a fair um, amount of Danes too, right? Yeah. I mean, I've spoken to several people on this, mm. on the mm. show who've been there. Yeah. I think because, because they have had or have that photography course mm. uh, for quite some years, it's been a, one of the first choices for Danish people to go there. If they, if they know that that's what they want to dig into. That's right. Because photography is still, kind of shit on here yeah I, it's getting there but. yeah it's getting there but it's i think also it's because you know the the art academies here uh, they that's just like free art there is no right there's no material base yeah you don't really sense. i mean i guess you do after some years when you are to your master to do your master i guess you choose a professor who has a subject specific but um the facilities was just better in glasgow They had the largest uh, color analog uh, dark room in the whole Europe, I think, or something like that. It was like really crazy. How, How fun is it to print color? Huh? How fun is it to print analog color? Really fun. I love it. Yeah. It's so it's rad. It's so good. Yeah. I haven't done it since I left school, though. <laughs> you, you can do it here in Copenhagen, but yeah. you have to rent it by the day yeah. out at the lab in uh, Nanesco. Ah, okay. Yeah. And it's... You know, it's not exactly cheap. No. But if you're good and you're fast, it's yeah. a lot cheaper than getting someone else to print it. Yeah, of course. But yeah. you have to get in there, you know, pack a lunch yeah. and just go. Yeah. <laughs> because But I think also what I really liked about it is, and also why I still think it's important to, to uh, at some point at least, work analog, is that it really gives you another sense of what photography can. And also for me, it of course also gave me another understanding when I didn't, when I'm then working uh, digital in Photoshop or something. Well, Photoshop's based off of the darkroom, right? Yeah. There's the, the, those tools that you yeah. use and the concepts you use often are, you know, derivatives from talking about photography in an analog sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it's always, as, as a film photographer, it's not about which one's better. No. It's about which process works best mm -hmm. for me. So it's just a material... It's just the way of working. It's a totally. different way of working. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I appreciate that there's more space for accidents. There's a wider range of equipment. You know, I've got 20 different cameras of different formats and sizes and, and, and advantages and disadvantages. And that makes different work. Yeah. Totally. Whereas if, if you have the same Canon that everybody has, mm. I guess it's more freedom in the sense that you have your, the same playing field as everyone. So it's only your imagination that then, that then works, but, but it's, it's also a limitation mm. in a way. Mm. Yeah. I always like to compare it to, um, 
your choice of knife when you work in a kitchen. Right. Like, yeah, every knife can cut, but they cut different. And what oh, are you good. cutting in? <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you might not want to use your bread knife filleting a, a fish or something. Oh my God. I am yeah. going to steal that forever now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Yeah. It's like a knife. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's true. And that's one of the problems is that it's so it, it's, it's one piece of equipment otherwise. Mm. And that in a way makes it more conceptual, right? Mm. Because if the, if the image building machine or whatever you want to say, the image capturing machine is, is, is a one trick pony then all that the work can reflect besides some technical know-how is conceptual ideas yeah right and that's what drives photography in a lot of cases it's very conceptual not very technical mm. um, and that's the other reason for me that i want to work with film because it's modular because you can build different pieces together to make a greater whole yeah it's like transformers yeah yeah <laughs> Um, but did was so so that's what attracted you to Glasgow. Yes, was that program there? Yes, it was the program, and then actually also that. Uh, um, I guess I've always uh, been attracted to traveling and seeing as much of the world as I could uh, manage. Uh, so it was also an element that it was abroad. Get the hell out! Yeah. Yeah. Did you grow up here in Copenhagen? No, I grew up in Aarhus in Jutland. Mm. In the middle of Aarhus. So uh, when you grew up in the city center of Aarhus, uh, the city becomes extremely small. It, yeah. Because you're not really interested in the suburbs. Yeah. As a, there's not much going on. Well, you don't like Riskal? <laughs> you don't like Tilst? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of families love living there, but yeah. it's, uh, yeah. So, so it's very normal uh, to then go abroad. Yeah. But also, with, I mean, my entry out of Aarhus was that uh, there wasn't enough uh, education for me with on specific photography and art. Right. So, so first I moved to Copenhagen and then from there to Glasgow. Well, you present me with a good chance to test one of my theories. Mm -hmm. I lived in, in Aarhus for six months before I moved to Copenhagen. Yeah. For obvious reasons. Um, but I did appreciate one thing about Aarhus, and I guess for people who are in Denmark, we should say it's the second largest city. Yes. Uh, but significantly smaller. It's yeah, about half the small. size of Copenhagen. Yeah. Um, it's like in Aarhus, you don't need to bike around, you walk around. That's right. Downtown <laughs> is quite small. Yeah. Uh, although pretty. Um, Very pretty. But, but I feel like there was more of a little brother, little sister mentality there that in some way they try harder. Because they're not, you know, that like Copenhagen's like New York, where they're like, oh, we're already in the center of the yeah. world. We don't yeah. have to try yeah. hard. We're already good because yeah. we're here. Yeah. Whereas all who's had to fight for yes. status. Yeah. Is that true. true? Yeah, that's true. Very true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, especially, well, back in the 80s and maybe a bit before as well, they had a really high cultural status because the music scene there was exploding. Yeah, they've got big punk rock. Yeah, and also just pop culture and stuff. Yeah. And they, in that sense, became very famous and known. Or, yeah. I mean, uh, got good credit. Yeah. But then, I guess after that boom, it went down again. And I remember growing up and being a teenager, going through the different phases. Um, it's It's like, or how can I explain it? I mean, so people are into fashion and uh, and... 
whether it has to be second hand or expensive brands, but they they are like uh, they are they want it a lot, but there are again not that many who really does it on the, in their own way. Right. It's like everyone actually looks a little bit like the the other, mm-hmm. maybe the Pakistan brown instead yeah, yeah, of yeah. black, you know. But uh, but it was really important that you fit it in. Right. That's something I think is a little bit, I'm going to get in trouble now, but yeah. I think it's a little bit uh, kind of the truth about Denmark. Yeah, maybe it's also like that here in Copenhagen. I it guess. feels like yeah, that yeah, to yeah. me. But it was even more, I mean, I felt that it was even more in Aarhus. It, I mean, yeah, yeah Everyone, probably true. I mean, today when I go back to Aarhus, and I'm not there that often, uh, when I look around, everyone is so pretty. Like, they're really... They're really working on the outer. Right, uh, looking all made yeah, up. And, yeah, trendy, yeah. down with it, yeah. or like just like shiny hair. and Yeah. You hear that? All who's, right you and your shiny hair can stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true, though. I mean, because uh, I lived in Chicago for a couple of years, and they definitely had, it was kind of a similar relationship to uh, Copenhagen and all mm. those. Because it was the forgotten little brother. Yeah. Now, granted, there's 8 million people there, so it's bigger than this entire country. Yeah. But they still had, like, that, we're, the, we're not New York, we're not L.A. Yeah. Uh, and that meant they had some, you know, ferocious punk and metal music. They had uh, some kind of a more experimental thing. But the problem they had is the classic brain drain. As soon as someone became known or good at what they did, they moved to New York yeah. or L.A. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. just like, oh, shit, now we start yeah. over again. Yeah, I mean, of course, I should also mention, to be fair, that I guess it's also that that Aarhus is the size it is, so every subculture will be that much smaller, right? And it is a not be that visible in the street picture. Yeah, it yeah. is a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned earlier going through your teenage phases. Yeah. Which one was the art phase? Or when did that happen? How did that happen? Uh, well, I grew my background is pretty creative already since my mom is a painter and my dad a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I grew up in a lot of collectives. Uh, Hippies. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when does, did it really start? I guess the question is, when did it become just a, a thing that one did for fun? And when did it become a, uh, for lack of a better word, career goal? Or when did it become viable? Well, I bought my first um, real camera, a Pentax camera, <laughs> when I was 15. Mm-hmm. And, um, and started to explore. It was... It was Maybe most something I did when I was walking my dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it wasn't really in that. It was, I mean, maybe I didn't went that much out. Or I did, maybe I didn't really push it that much. But I started to experiment and, you know, all the diff- the normal things you go through, like sure. the, the macro mm-hmm. interest, mm-hmm. Oh, everything close up and yeah. the <clears throat> long exposure and all that. Yeah. Um, but then I guess when I was in high school, I remember I felt, um, 
I felt very strange about having my art class in high school because um, even though I felt as it was here I belong or there I belong, I didn't really feel that the surrounding could meet it properly because it was still so... Um, what can you say, on that level that was and not really that free and you had to follow like your exploring or process. No, it couldn't go that direction, for example. it had. Right. To, there was a result kind of. So you could the feel end. the limitations already. Yeah. And <clears throat> that was, I imagine, frustrating. Yeah, very. Yeah. yeah. So what, then you're thinking, where the hell can I go? Yeah. Where can I go to, to try out more stuff? Yeah. Uh, did you go to uh, high school, gymnasium? Yeah, that was then. Uh, th- this was in gymnasium. Okay. Uh, and then uh, after the second year, it was a three-year course, or yeah, yeah. diploma thing, A levels. Uh, but after the second year was done, I left. Okay. And then I moved to Copenhagen. Fuck this shit. Yeah, I was really like, but also I had some troubles with a evil teacher, and mm-hmm. I didn't really. It wasn't the right place. It was not the right place for me. Were your parents supportive? They were supportive in the way that as long as I have made a choice on what I wanted to do, then I was able to leave. They and didn't. also they said like, "Could do you think you can just end the year and not leave in the middle of the year? Yeah. And then that was fine for me. Yeah. That's where the pictures of you flipping burgers for the rest of your life come yeah, into yeah. their head, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How did you then make the jump to Glasgow? What happened then? Uh, how it was moving there? Or? Well, like how long did it go? You moved to Copenhagen. Yeah, and uh, I was in Copenhagen for quite some year. Oh, how long was it? One, two, two and two and a half year, I think. Mm-hmm. At which point you were probably making art. Um, looking back, well, I guess... I guess so. My first pieces, yeah. I was attending four different art schools here. Some are still, still existing. Was that like those, like, uh, the private ones? Uh, like Vera School? Yeah, and ones like stuff that. like that. Okay. Yeah, which was good. Yeah. Back then there was something called the free ungdomsuddannelse. Oh, yeah. Uh, like the free youth education where you could uh, put together. For the together. bad kids. <laughs> yeah, it was actually for dropouts. Yeah. Made yeah, for totally. dropouts. But then... But it's really creative. It's the only place you can go if you want yeah. a creative education, which yeah. is kind of screwed yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, before university, that's. Well, I, f- I feel like there should be some gymnasium for art here. Yeah. Why don't they have that? Yeah, it's really weird. Because it's it. That's like the only option. You can get a technical education, yeah. or you can get the academic education. Yeah. What about a technical arts education? Why don't they have that? And then it's all these private schools have sprung up. Yeah. Because. Because no, because there's nothing else. Yeah. Um, but you probably got some creative time at that one, mm. the free yes. youth. Yeah, uh, I did. And that was also here. I met, uh, some, uh, two different teachers of mine who had been students in Glasgow. And that was where the inspiration and the knowledge about the school came from. As a young person wanting to get into art, you always need to find someone older than you who can just blow the doors open yeah. in that sense and yeah. just be like, all right, kid. Listen, you know, yeah. like, here's yeah. the deal. Yeah, uh, But it was really a good time back then because due to the possibilities of, of getting funding for from this education system, 
uh, you didn't have to pay um, a fee to go in these private schools. Right, so they would get the support right. from the government. So there was a lot of schools and they were really good at it. And they were having like hiring professional artists in. So every week we had a new artist coming teaching us. So, I mean, we learned so much and it was such a amazing time, uh, you know, uh, meeting all these people, uh, having their own idea on this is the truth or this is how, what you should be focusing on now. And yeah. so, yeah. It's too bad that that disappeared that it avenue. disappeared a lot yeah yeah because yeah. they just stopped funding that i yeah. know uh, a new government and then they took it away yeah um but you went to glasgow then yeah so you i mean i assume you, that your teacher encouraged you to apply yeah helped you put together a, a package yeah was that back in the day when you had to send slides yes i also had slides yeah but i also but i uh but you you send it a printed portfolio as well. Oh, real physical yeah. artworks. Yeah. Oh, or boy. documenting of it. Yeah. Those Stuff days are over. They are over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Completely. But all in all, Glasgow was good. Glasgow was good. And did you immediately move back to Copenhagen afterwards? No. I hang around for a bit. Okay. But then it was also like, it was, so I finished in 2008 <clears throat> where the financial problems were huge. Uh-huh. And there was like slightly a depression going on at the time I in bet. Glasgow. Like a lot of, of shops closed and it was hard hmm. getting jobs and um, and still raining every day. <laughs> um, Never stops. <laughs> and then leaving art school where you every day are among your best friends right. and a lot of things is going on. And since the international community is so big, a lot of people is moving away. Mm. And so the transforming from being a big group to just being you uh, in Glasgow. Dirt in, uh, poor, yeah, no option for making artwork. <laughs> yeah, it was huge. Yeah, that's a hard landing, that, that yeah. leaving school. Yeah, and in fact, is. it shook me so badly that I didn't really make artwork for like three or four years yeah. afterwards just trying to figure out like oh god how am i going to be an adult in this world yeah, yeah, yeah. you know like how am i going to pay for rent and survive yeah. and stuff yeah. uh and so that's one of the problems with art schools it's probably not very it good is. at preparing people no. for the yeah world. so many things i mean i i think we had maybe one day of learning to do presentations or um or just like being told about that, oh yeah, there's also something about contacting or showing yourself how to, that it's maybe a good idea to have a web page or something like that. <laughs> but you know, nothing else. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing about running a business, as it also is being an artist, there wasn't much talk about that at all. I think a lot of people don't make that jump. No. You know, if you look at what percentage of art. St- graduates from art school uh become professional you know the numbers are grim and we know that we're often told that's because not very many people are uh, good enough artists right mm. that's the that's what the picture is is that yeah. you know one out of uh, 50 of you will be a good enough artist but that's not just the reality of it it's a reality of managing uh managing yourself as a business yeah, and as indeed. a brand even yeah. and 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 as you know and it's it it sucks to talk about that 
Because that's mm. the whole picture the whole time has been just based off of art and creativity and uh, learning how to develop ideas mm. and processes. And then, you know, it seems dirty to talk about the business, but it's it's that's just the way it is. It is just the way it is. And I, and I think like one thing is that it might seem dirty, but it also in for at least some periods, it's connected to a feeling which is not that nice yeah. because you are not using your time as you would like to. That's right. You rather want it to be in the studio experimenting and making tests and or stuff which didn't get into anything, you know? I mean, yeah, just yeah, have yeah. the freedom to fool around and, and really be creative and dare to not think of a result or the audience or whatever. But instead you're sitting doing your taxes or doing another application or... So many yeah. applications. Yeah. <laughs> but that that's what I mean, is that it, that is the reality of it. You have to learn how yeah. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're not going to be able to find no. it any time. You're no. not going to be able to afford a studio. Yeah. You're not going to... Yeah. Uh, and it's really cruel. I also know from, you know, the other side running Green is Gold, uh, the, our exhibition space, um, whenever we receive application or a portfolio... If you can't straight away actually get a feeling of the art piece or get the right information you want, material, size, year, whatever, or not whatever that, <laughs> then you are you are you're not you don't have the patience. Right. You don't have the you don't have the time. You don't have the time. Then it's just like oh, this is this is not on the level you anyway want no. to do. A, well, it's a sign of an immature artist. Yes. In a weird way, even yeah. though it has nothing to do with their work, yeah. it has to do with the fact that they are not, they haven't been taught or they haven't had the chance to learn how to write applications. Exactly. You have to write 20 or 30 shit applications before you even learn how to formulate it. Exactly. Uh, and, and that the, again, even if the artwork's good, you're like, oh, is this person worth working with? Because yeah. clearly they're inexperienced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially then in a situation where... Uh, where you do it because you really want to support something and it's more charity than a paid job. Right, uh, right. Then you do want to also work with someone where you know that you have a good chance on really pushing it and giving an opportunity. And then you probably also have an idea on what level you would like to work with this. So it's it, it's not it can't be a beginner all the time, for example. Right. When we started Green School, we were maybe also doing more project-based uh, shows mm. where the result was not important, uh, but that it was an invitation to, to get into yeah, the process. Right. That's always tough. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's, that harkens back to art school when you called your friends over and you're like, I have this crazy idea yeah. and I need everyone to come over. We'll get a case of beer and we're going to do this yeah. thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's always a lot of fun. It's always very interesting, but the result is, is, it's, it's very different. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, just on, there's just no, it'll always remain experimental. Yeah. That kind of thing. Even though it seems like now. Now I'm jumping ahead, but now it seems like uh, there is a lot of process-based work yeah, around, especially on. in the young uh, art spaces. Mm. But I just want to quickly fill the gap there. You uh, you were in Glasgow. It was raining. You were poor. Mm. Your friends moved away. Yeah. And you thought, well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, back to Copenhagen? 
Uh, then first I did uh, an artist in residence in uh, the north of Germany on the countryside. Mm. It was this concept where uh, a group of hotels in the kind of beach resort area of uh, Germany had gone together. So they host that an artist living at the hotel mm. with everything covered. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I think I gained five kilos in those two <laughs> All months. Those because, sausages and sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, three course dinner every day and huge morning buffet. And yeah, I slightly moved my way through the wine cart. <laughs> but that was weird. I mean, also, since it was it was both good and not a not nice experience. I mean, the not, the not so happy part was that I don't speak German. And I thought maybe that. In this area, there would be a few more speaking English, but uh, nope. So uh, it, I was very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. How long was it? Two months. Yeah, yeah. it's a fair amount of time to and not it was be able winter. to communicate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I did a project in Prague once with uh, the school I was with at the Art Institute. And uh, it was the same thing. We had to collaborate with these Czech art students. Yeah. But no one fucking spoke English. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, all right, guys, well, that looks interesting what you're doing. I guess we'll go do what we're doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like it just didn't really translate so well. But uh, but after that, was it back to Copenhagen? Then I moved back to Copenhagen, yeah. And uh, what were you thinking at that point? In your head, were you thinking, okay, time to find a gallery? Time to find a studio? What, what, what's... I was thinking, oh, my God, people are so rich here. <laughs> look at the... I was like, oh, look at the... Double glazed window, central heating, right. like a uh, mixed water battery <laughs> yeah. and a bathroom. Um, I was really like, oh, wow, everyone have an expensive smartphone. It's very unromantic, right? <laughs> yeah, but I was really shocked about it. And yeah. also how much people use the energy on it. They're like, oh, my God, they had to have blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, people use a lot of money on that shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, what was I thinking? Um, at this time, I started uh, collaborating with a Norwegian girl who had uh, been studying with, Celia Leifdotter. And we were working on... She was living in Berlin at this time, so we were traveling back and forward to collaborate on a project. Or to Yeah. Uh, so I was focusing on that and then finding a job to earn some money so I can pay the rent. Was it possible, like, when you landed, were you thinking, I just have to get going and I'll be able to work as an artist in a gallery system? Or or were you thinking, I have to make something for myself? You know, I have to build a, a network. I have to I have to uh, start an exhibition space. I have to do... Mm. Did you have any expectations? Um... I don't really remember. I mean, I know I knew, of course, at that time that it wasn't just so that you could walk in and then have or come back and then have a gallery right. uh, representing you. Um, and coming back, I remember that I didn't really know knew any artists living here in Copenhagen or. I had never been to the art academy here or no even visiting. No network. So no net network like that. So, but then, so yeah, so it was a lot about getting back also with your old friends, which were not in the art 
right. business right. and doing life, <laughs> or, or, or I mean, just live life to right. live life, and um, and then I think I was just focused on finding a balance where I could actually survive, but also have time to to do art. So I, I remember I was focusing on that I needed to have a studio space. And um, and that was a good thing to get that. And that also opened up to a, a community because I was I shared a space with some other artists. And uh, I think that's probably one of the first things one should probably do. Yeah. As much as an economic smack to the face that is. Yeah. You know, when you're young, you don't have a well-paying mm-hmm. job. You know, you maybe can't afford it. Yeah. But... Um, it's just it creates some sort of something, like yeah. you say, and also you can invite people on a studio visit. Yeah, people underestimate studio visits. Yeah, you know those are actually pretty powerful tools. Yeah. for inviting people into your universe. Yes, and it's so much more noble and um, and less humiliating than going and trying to wave your art out in the world. Yeah, you know, because like like I was talking about earlier, if you go to a gallery and wave your picture in their face, there is a zero percent chance they're going to be interested yeah also just because it's so humiliating that position yeah you know so i think i think you're right that that should be a priority if someone's wondering what the next next step is yeah when you're when you're done with school or you're ready to start trying to like start a practice yeah uh, also i think because as i see it at the moment so many like gallerists or people in working with setting up exhibitions, curators and stuff, they love when they have the feeling of that they have discovered something, like an artist or an art piece. So inviting them to do a studio visit where they can have the feeling that they've seen the work before it was 100% finished. That's right. So they're in it. You they're know, developing they're, They know artist. the process. Yeah, totally. And maybe they said something which could have, you know, made artists change a little or whatever. I mean, right, the, right, just right. That, they, that they have this feeling and being in... In we, together in the process of the insider feeling. That's a secret weapon right there. I think so. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Is that what happened? I mean, how did you go from starting this studio to uh, building up this uh, this uh, incredible network that you have? Uh, well, then what happened was that I first had a studio one space together with Cinevel, who is has just closed um, another art space art yeah. space here in Copenhagen yeah. after uh, two ye- beautiful years mm. and that was nice um, to be with her in her shared studio with two or three others mm-hmm. at that time and then um, she's very active too she she's very active yeah and then uh, I got the possibility to move into Hyskenstrad uh, where I again met uh, Amelia, who had also been stuttering in Glasgow. This is a studio in town? Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we were there in Huskenstrad, where Green School then would open. Mm. And uh, first we shared the space with three others. And when they moved out, we were like, we had had the discussion already. Because in this time, there was maybe two or three other spaces in town. Maybe not even like artist-run spaces, exhibitions, platforms. And we've had the discussion already because it was hard to get to show. And also there was a certain aesthetic aesthetic fashion going on kind of on the commercial galleries at least. Yeah. 
it was it would be painting in bright colors everywhere yeah. Yeah. which we were not happy about or what is this 2011 uh, no it's like 910 yeah. yeah um and then we were like okay let's let's do it and then the next day we just we made the homepage <laughs> did it and not and i always uh, say like we so we opened green is gold without a business plan <laughs> and um then you learned yeah and what was your goal was your goal to show work by your friends was your goal to develop some sort of scene was your goal to it our goal was to um to expand the art scene here in Denmark by showing work and introducing artists to the Danish art scene, which might not have been shown in that setting mm. or at that time. How do you think it's going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we've done a lot of uh, exciting projects. Um, you guys are uh, definitely present. You yeah, know, like people, you're not just some hidden little uh, vanity project. No, uh, you you guys are present on the art scene. Whenever you guys have openings, it's yeah. published. People know about it. Yeah, uh, you know, so it's definitely taken off in that sense. Yeah, but I think also, you know, one thing which has been quite uh, stunning for us to experience is that. Most of the time we have, or I'll say all of the time, we have just been focusing on doing the work, you know, setting up the exhibitions, being there. Painting the walls. Um, yeah, but not so much about the rest. And then I remember the first time where I was talking with someone here in Copenhagen, which I didn't know. The first time I said, yeah, I, I have this place... Uh, called green school and that the other person would know know about it that that's was a big a day that's feeling. a big day yeah oh shit that's you <laughs> yeah yeah so so what i wanted to say is that it just happened that we became known about right it wasn't i mean it yeah do you have any sort of issue or problem with the fact that it might be taking away time from you to make art um I have if I if it's not being appreciated. <laughs> you hear that, kids? Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. If your hard yeah. work is 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 seen as whatever. Yeah, but that's also why it's important when you when it's that it is important the artist you work with that you know that they're serious about it. Yeah. That it's not just right. That's what that selection process is for. Yeah. It is. Yeah. yeah. Do how does it how does it apply running this show? How does it apply to your own work? Does it have any relationship to it? Um, I know that um, running Greenish Gold has made me very much focused on and also inspired um, in the whole installation installating process, like. Mm -hmm that a piece is just half of what it is almost until it's being installed. That's right. And um, and also that actually a lot of artists doesn't think about it. And that is sometimes really surprising you when you meet that 
Right. Oh, you just hang it on the wall. Yeah. Or that, you know, that that suddenly they haven't thought, yeah, it should just lay on something, like a little table. Don't you have any? Right. And it's like, yeah, but what kind of little table? Right. Or, you know. Right. So that's always interesting. And I remember we had some shows after each other where for one of them, some kind of plinth was built in plywood, I think. And then the next show is like, oh, do you have anything? And then I can use. And then, yeah, okay, you can use this. And then for the third show, we had to kind of say, no, you can't use this. No more plywood. <laughs> you yeah. have to you have to get something yourself, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it, because it became a uniform. Yeah. You know, we didn't want it to be a room with furniture in it. Right, right, To right. display on. Right, right, right. There has to be a specific uh, presentational idea. Yeah. Instead of like, oh, that, that's great. We'll just put it on that. Yeah. Even if it's just the same height or size of a white plinth. Yeah. It will be like, oh, is that a furniture in this room or what? You right. Know? Well, I mean, that's one of the things mm -hmm. I have often tried to tell uh, young people who are interested in working with art. Yeah. You really should, you should do whatever you can to get behind the scenes. Yeah. Whether it's working at a gallery or working for an artist or running your own space or uh, running a publishing house, although less so that, um, or uh, making frames or whatever you can do, work in a museum, get close to it because you'll see what's behind the curtain. Yeah. And there's a lot behind the curtain. Yeah. There's probably more behind the curtain than there is in front. Yeah. And that curtain produces some fantastic artworks, but it sure as shit isn't magic. No. You know? And so you should get behind there. And that's you're going to learn a lot about how the whole thing works. And mm. it's going to inform your own work and the way you imagine your works. Making the jump from your brain to wherever it's going to go. Yeah. And uh, and that's what you guys did. You just did it yourselves. Yeah. Do you feel like you guys were ahead of the curve in that now there's so many independent art spaces in Copenhagen now? And uh, not really. I must I I must uh, see it as that there was a break, or as uh, due to that there also was a financial crisis here in Denmark. Mm. But then we were just opening in that break. Right. Well, there has been a move away from from the gallery system as well. Yeah, uh, which is great because they both should be there. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, they can do something. Which uh, the one can do something, the other can't. Right. I mean, also for example, we also something we also uh, talk a lot about with working with our artists is um, or the artists we work with is that take this chance to do something here which you might not be able to do somewhere else. Like challenge yourself. Right. It's okay. You don't have to, it don't have to be perfect. You know, you don't have to have that same, I mean, um, yeah. How can I describe it more? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's okay to push the boundaries beyond what you might think is commercially viable. Yeah. And the result doesn't, in a normal sense, have to be a success. Right. If you know what I mean. Right. If you If you can understand. Right. You can learn it, use it as a learning process. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's kind of like when you're out. in art school. You can make something to see if it works. Exactly. Whereas you have less freedom if you're working in a financially constrained for-profit gallery system. Yeah. 
there is no money, there is no success in 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 some sense or another uh, without some sort of sale. Mm, mm. Yeah, and maybe also to change your practice because right. what also often can happen is that you become successful with a style or a theme, and then suddenly the You're the galleryist or the museum that that's what they want because that's what they see you as. Yeah, and then. And sometimes you might not find it that interesting any longer yourself, you know, to do that sort of art. Yeah. And then come come and work with us because we are a place where you can try out something new, right? But write a good application. Yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was it? It's what not it? the words. It's, yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm being tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Uh, but, but as someone who has worked on both sides of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, what what is it like for you when you start working with a gallery? You had a show in was it March of this year? Yes, um, a solo show mm-hmm. at a nice space. Um, what was that like? How was that different for you? The considerations you had to take into account under that different context. Um, it was different, indeed. Um, I didn't have the same feeling of that I could do what I wanted to 100%. Yeah. Not that there would be maybe... um, Maybe it was more sense of like uh, in between words that there was a restriction. Right. Uh, well, I think I think Sophus is fairly open, actually. He is as very open, go. and it was a really good experience. Yeah. Um, but it was more like it was. It felt it was so result um, oriented. Yeah. yeah, oriented. Yeah, was that uncomfortable? It 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 indeed gave a pressure. Yeah. On me. Yeah. Uh, in I, it was hard for me to not have that pressure when creating, hmm. and which you shouldn't have because then it stresses you out. So in that sense, it was something to really, uh, okay, what am I feeling? Okay, hello, feeling and goodbye, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah, to try and come back all the time to the free process of creating. Yeah. Do you feel like it was a success, the show? Yes, very much. That's yeah. good. I mean, because like we were kind of talking about earlier, you'll, you know, hopefully you learn something each time. Yeah. And hopefully you don't go broke yeah. in the meantime. Yeah. You know, like that's how that works. Yeah. Um, but speaking of going broke, when can you tell me, I don't want to get too personal about it, but like, can you tell me a little bit about the financial realities of running an art space? What it means to have to keep that ship afloat? Yeah. We always say or try not to use real money. <laughs> and then, exactly. That's actually yeah. very, very poignant. Don't you, use real money. Don't use real money. Use yeah. fake money. Yeah. No. And, uh, and one old colleague of mine, she learned me the expression to do stuff in-house. So whatever you can do yourself, do that. Yeah. Um, and of course, you have to um, to realize if it takes you too long time to learn to do something you can't do, then might, it might be better to use real money on that job. Yeah, yeah. But but yes, so so that means because it's much cheaper not to pay yourself. Right. 
and do the job yourself. Except for with time. Yeah. So, so you also, I mean, one thing I also have to say about this project that we, we, we basically did it because we wanted to. That mm. was all the time our energy. We want to do this, so we do it. There was never, I mean, if we got some support, then we were, of course, happy. Right. Because that meant that we didn't have to use our own money on it. But that's how it has been run all the time. So, um, well, maybe a few of the projects... No, not even. I mean, we have used our own money on all the projects, more or less. I mean, maybe not huge amount, but still. And then I think it's also very important to to have an open dialogue with the artist about what they expect, what kind of service they expect, because there is a huge element of service involved in running a space. And here it's very important that, of course, that is kind of uh, not uh, too heavy on us, because else you are drained of energy. Right. And that's where, you know, so, so the artist has to understand that this is run on goodwill. And as soon as they understand that, most of the time, everything just runs smoothly. Right. Because then they, and this is also the situation where they can say, ah, you know, okay, maybe I'm past that point. Because fair enough, at some point in your career, you should be past that point and really do want a fee for doing an exhibition as an right, artist. right. But other or even the same on that point in the career, they want to do it because they see something good coming out of it. So, yeah. uh, and maybe that is the more freedom you have here. You can, you can control more. Right, right. It's more open in that sense. Yeah. Yeah, we, we have always just been guiding. I mean, never mm. said, no, that's not. But the artist obviously has to find financing for the production of their own works. And yeah. So, yeah. And a lot of, I mean, of course, we have always helped all we could with doing the application. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, and always, what can you say? We have always prioritized what should be, what should, what posts in the budget should the real money be used on. Right. And here, for example, when it comes to salary, the artist is always first. And me and Amelia, the people running the space, will be in the bottom. <laughs> so that's and that's of course in some people's eyes not the way they want to do it. And and that's fair. I mean, choose your own business plan or what can you say strategy. But for us, it was very important that it should be right. Mm. I mean, when we opened the space, our dream was that we could pay an exhibition fee. True to your own vision, basically. Yeah, to to the artists. Yeah. But in reality, how much that had happened is not much. Right. No. Well, I mean, the, the thing about writing applications and getting funding is that you don't have a secure no. uh, situation. You don't know what you have in six months or, no. or a year. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys want to see from people when they apply? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, so we don't have a special concept on what we're showing. Um, For example, if it comes to media, I mean, it could be sculpture, sound, photography, whatever. Mm. Um, But what I want to see is something which makes me excited. Do you see that as like... um 
Well, for example, when I see a lot of these artist-driven spaces, it seems like there's a constant attempt to break down the traditional exhibition. There's very little of pictures on paper in frames mm. and just that frames hanging in a mm. row around a room. Yeah. You know, it seems like there's more of an interest to use the floor, the ceiling, different heights, break things out of the picture plane, uh, three-dimensional, uh, you know, so mm. to kind of make the space a little more dynamic. Yeah. Uh, in kind of intact with the usual uh, criticisms of the white cube. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts about that, or is that more intuitive? Um, well, my thought is that the space in Hüskenstrade was not a white cube, really, because it had so many architectural details from had been an old flat. Mm. Uh, so although it was painted white, it, there was uh, many... Uh, details like wooden panels or the floor was quite uh, expressive as well uh, being very old and uh, of wood as well yeah. um, and there was a lot of windows in the room and a door so if you wanted to hang a traditional exhibition there uh, you could maybe fit one two Three works. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not a lot. No. Uh, so in that sense, it just felt more right to work with a hanging or insta insta installing, which also could use the floor, for example. Mm. But again, it wasn't. It wasn't something we. It was more intuitive, as you say. Yeah. Yeah, because. Whenever we then made a deal with an artist of that he or she should do an exhibition, then everything was made to show the art in the best way. Right. Yeah. Right. Not the room, of course. Right, 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 right. <laughs> show this room in the best way. <laughs> this is an no. architectural magazine. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I think that that you know obviously some consideration should be taken for the physical space yeah. that you're working in. Yeah. It shouldn't just be like oh, this show can hang anywhere. Yeah, you know, no. it it should be probably more of a yeah. dialogue between yeah. space and and work. Yeah, yeah. I do remember a period where we were specific in uh, interest when receiving applications that they had thought about how they wanted to work with our space, mm -hmm. like. Because it was different than other spaces, not being a straight white cube. Yeah. But then after a period, I didn't find that so important any longer to see that in the application because it was more important maybe to get into a dialogue or that the project wasn't anyways completely done. Mm. And it, was, it didn't necessarily have to be brand new work, but it could be a a combination or um, a finishing up of a project or or as I also like to see it like to, to have an exhibition is kind of like you um, pausing your process instead of instead of thinking that oh now this piece is done it's finished then it's, it can be a version of it instead Right, it's a picture of that moment. Yeah, where you're at. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Do you, I mean, so if someone did want to apply, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like one of the best things they could do is familiarize themselves with what you guys have shown in the past. Yeah, of course. To kind of see some sort of uh, line which runs through it. Yeah, that's or true. Or at least the last six months or a year yeah. or whatever. Yeah, of course that's always good. Also because what you don't want to do is you don't want to have a show looking as a show you've already have had. <laughs> true story. True story. But so in that sense, be... you shouldn't really copy something we have had already. No, but but you can hopefully see a line, and yeah. then the, where the line ends, what's the next step? Yeah. What would be yeah. the logical exactly. progression? That's a very good idea. <gasps> what do you see for the future of the space? Is it going um, on forever? No. Well, <laughs> um, the way I'm living right now is like <laughs> a day at the time, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know the future. Um, but I do see, uh, first of all, we're moving out of Huskenstrede because now we've been in that space for four years almost. And, um, for us to keep up the energy, we figured out that it was important to see some new walls now because it's very hard for us to imagine, um, other pieces doing a new thing there. And also Due to the size of the space, we've been focused most of uh, on solo presentations, mm-hmm. and now we we are also interesting in be in, in have the in now we're also interested in having the possibilities to work more with uh, group exhibitions. So I see Green School becoming more a cultural platform in that sense, mm-hmm. and um, and our first chapter will be a nomadic space. But also because we've done already a few projects abroad, which we uh, think uh, what was which we gained other things or elements from. Right. Also traveling with artists and meeting up with them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys are becoming a curatorial platform in a sense. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. yeah. But also because we think that it's that it's exciting to then find spaces and then curating from the space or find the artist and then finding the space to the artwork. Aren't you afraid that this is going to take up too much from, from your personal practice? Mm, I don't think I worry about that really. It doesn't feel like you're thinking, fuck, I could be in the studio right now. No, no, no. Then, then it's because something is wrong. Cause it's not fun anymore. Yeah. Then you should stop. Yeah. Because that's a problem. And of course, we've also felt tiny bits of that now and then. But that's because you are doing too much service. That's because it's three in the morning and you're doing something. Yeah. And and that's that's because then you have made a wrong deal. Right. So you're becoming a service service, uh, agent instead of a partner in the process. Right. Well, I think you have a very, very healthy relationship to art. Because as much as you're aware of the business side of it and the reality of it, uh, it seems like you also have a very clear sense that art isn't necessarily a job. It's a lifestyle. Mm. And that's such a horrible word. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, it's something, it's a use of your time. You're alive here and now. What do you want to do with your time? And so, therefore... As a total experience, why not also curate and discuss and be part of, you know, 
I mentioned earlier, I missed art school mm -hmm. because of that network. Mm. Well, you can just make that yeah. through all sorts of platforms. Yeah. And like you say, if it's not fun anymore, then fuck it. Do something else. That's yeah. fine. You know, it's really that easy, you know, although it does take hard work. Don't forget the three yeah, in the yeah. morning, uh, no, painting no. And, yeah. uh, you know, especially uh, when you work with artists on different time scales or zones, <laughs> yeah. then you have to answer the phone. Right. But how do you, how do you keep the excitement up? Um, well, I don't think it's that different from in generally being aware of keeping an energy up. So I think you have to be aware of expectations, your own, your partners, the people you work with, and that you are on the same level, that you are not going around with a hidden dream mm. of something you want to do, mm. but are not doing because then that will for sure eat some of your daily energy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So to really be honest to yourself as well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, I have a day job and I can feel that that eats some of my energy because mm. I don't want to be there. No, yeah. You know, I, I want to be out in the world making podcasts, making art, yeah, uh, making pictures, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, and you're right. Because of the fact that that isn't, intact with my goals it's an energy killer mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but how does then what how does one make that a reality in terms of financial uh is that also just hard work yeah um um well so when we work with projects in greenish gold for example we always have a plan a a and a plan b and the plan a for the show is like how we really want it to be if money was not a problem at all. So here you can get everything you want. For, you can transport whatever size across the, the world and you can fly in all the people you would need. And, you know, money is not a problem at all. And that's what you're going for. Yeah. And then when reality hits, then you start to change to plan B which is important to that that one exists as well. Right. And plan B is also a reality check in relation to, okay, um, so how much real money or real time do we actually have to um, see this exhibition through? Like, how are we going to make this work? Yeah. How much energy, time and money can the artist put in it and how much can we? And it's real, and that's, again, something really important to know and to be honest about. Hmm. Do you have a day job? Not at the moment. No. You did it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I feel extremely poor. <laughs> <laughs> it is, of yeah. course, a matter of priorities. It always is. It is, is. yeah. It always is. Always buy the cheap coffee. <laughs> I, you know. Yeah, well. Well, I mean, the thing is, you have to not get tired of it. Yeah. And somehow you have to manage to keep, you know. You know, being poor is one thing, but still being excited about what you're doing is the other. Yeah. Right? And so as it depends on what your priority is. I think for some people, financial stability is happiness. Yeah. Uh, but for a lot of people, they want to do stuff with their lives and money is just a, 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 a side effect of living in the world we live in. Yeah. And just if you manage to do the things you want to as much as possible, then, you know, that'll work. Yeah. 
Do you have any personal goals? I mean, we've talked a lot about green as gold, but but what about your work in the next uh, five years? Where are we going? Are you are you? Do you see a commercial future for yourself as an artist? Um. Yeah, if we can do it my way, of course. Yeah. <laughs> if we can do it my way, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Of course. That makes perfect sense. I mean, uh, I hope, of course, that I can continue working with the art projects I love and and that's my goal Um, but I don't have like a plan one day I hope for the best yeah yeah well, I mean, here's where we have to give it up for Denmark Mm -hmm. there is a certain minimum safety net here yeah which makes it more viable to be unsure of your future yeah I'm not on that though, because I have a business. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. But 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 if I close you can the business, get healthcare. Yeah. You can get you know I'm. Oh yeah, if know, I get to I, hospitals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know you're not going to end up on the street. No. Even if you don't have the luxury insurance that they have against yeah. uh, against uh, job loss. You're not going to end up homeless. No. You have to. You have to want to almost. I have way too much family and friends to end up homeless, indeed. Exactly. And so that gives us some freedom to try shit out yeah. and see how it goes. Yeah. Because nobody knows what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But I also think it's important not to be, uh, what can you say, embarrassed to, in periods, take a daytime job. Or to just say, okay, now I really need to earn some money and then I will focus on that the next three months or half a year. Right. I think that's nothing to be embarrassed or ashamed about. Right. Uh, do it. Do it because yeah. that's what needs to be done. Yeah, and and see it as a as a you know um, a fundamental thing to then get back to your art. All right. Well, I mean, there's also periods in which you shouldn't make art, right? I mean, yeah, where you have to think instead, yeah. or get inspired, or live the life. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Do you have any advice for young folks? Who are coming from Aarhus, <laughs> coming from any Aarhus in the world, trying to get out there and uh, and make it happen? Um, I'm sure I have, but maybe it's, uh, but maybe it will be more individually. Well, I feel like what you know. you've done is a good example. So, yeah. in a way, you have given advice. Yeah. Um, meet people. Meet people. Talk to people. Yeah. Don't, yeah. And you don't have to go to art school. No. That's one of the things. Art school creates a very dynamic uh, world to live in for a period of time. Yeah. That is not the real world. That is not the real world at all. Uh, But it can give you a taste of what it's like to be part of a dynamic art-based situation in the real world. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you can build it yourself. Yeah. And you also have to remember many people, they feel it's hard it's it can even be a hard life being at art school, but actually the hard life is afterwards, right? So you have to be aware of that as well. I mean, or not? You have to be aware of it. Of course, you have to be where you are at the moment. But you're gonna find out. You will find out. Yeah, yeah. But of course, there is a lot of ways into creating the situation you want to be in, That's or right. or make to make art. Right. Um. I think what I've gotten out of our conversation is that it's important to do the least amount of stuff that drains your energy. Yeah. You know, you have to, 
you have to do what it takes to survive, mm -hmm. but you also have to sustain that energy because it can disappear and you have to nurture that energy and, and, and take care of your excitement about art. Exactly. Your naivete. Exactly. Really. Like you shouldn't really be living an unhappy life. Right. Because what's the point anymore? Yeah. What's then the point? Yeah. Why, why make art if it's yeah. making you miserable? Yeah. But of course, you do also realize, or I did, or am realizing that um, that there is so much you don't need, like material-wise, for example. Right. You can make a lot with a little. Yes. It's just the energy that counts. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me what art is for? What art is for? Art is for understanding the world and life and a room where we can discuss about being uh, without being um what can you say almost like arrested it's a it's a more free room where we can you you can say something without without being a person saying it because it's like there is an in between that's the work mm, interesting it's an intermediary between you and life yeah or you and your thoughts yeah i, or... I think i i'll say of course it's like It, of course, it always depends on what the artist claim. Right. Yeah, so this is not a pipe, right? Yeah. <laughs> High five to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, that was Dita. Doesn't that just make you want to get going? It is so motivating to hear people talk about their work that way what they do, their excitement about art. Man, it just makes me so pumped, you know? There's so much work to be done out there. Well, one thing at a time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Undergang Armchair. Intro and outro music is kindly provided by Johnny Ripper, and today's interstitial music was provided by Spencer Henslow. You can find links to their music and tons of other conversations with great people on our curatorial platform of a website, undergang.net seriously that's where you'll find links to our twitter account soundcloud and even the face this show is produced in part with the kind support of the danish arts council thank you so much for joining us <laughs>